Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Good day, Brewing Network listeners. It's your old pal, Justin, and I am back with yet another variation of the session during this COVID crisis. So those of you who have not been following along with our social media, um, we've been doing live Zoom video interviews about once a week, sometimes twice a week over on Facebook Live. But I wanted to make them part of our podcast as well for those of you who don't have time or the inclination to sit and watch a Facebook video for an hour and a half. So this episode is with my friends over at Russian River Brewing Company, Natalie and Vinny Chalurzo, and they took the time out of their day to talk to us about how they've been handling the crisis as a business. So I found it fascinating to talk with them about what they're doing and how they're making ends meet, just like the other interviews that we've done. So I wanted to make sure I made it part of your podcast here today, and we've got some more coming down the pipeline for you as well. If you're looking for the actual live videos, you can go search The Brewing Network on Facebook and and find us there, and they're all archived. You can just scroll down our page. You'll see it there. And we try to post when we're going to do them live as well. In the meantime, you can find them here on the podcast. I'll keep updating it for you. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're staying safe out there. And without further ado, here's Russian River Brewing Company. Okay. Well, I'm new to all this. It's only my second time doing a live one myself. But in theory, we should be live on Facebook right now uh, with my guests... Uh, Russian River Brewing Company and my co-host today, Teresa from Crooked Lane. Welcome to my new uh, awkward video show, guys. Hey. Thanks for having us. <laughs> you look good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I really expected your hair to be down about... Uh. Yeah. We thought out to here. So, uh, <laughs> Natalie, you and I can ch- always compare notes on hair. You know how the curls they they keep it up there. If it were if I it know. were straight, it's you know it's pretty long. Yeah, it helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you were to iron your hair, you'd look like Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused of that before. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know though, Vin, you're looking a little clean cut up there. Um, uh, did Natalie trim your hair for you or what? Yeah. Okay. Uh, All right. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Little, little known fact that, uh, my half brother made the, uh, original infomercial for the Floby. You're kidding. Yep. Yeah. And I was our really? nephew, Mark. our nephew, yeah. Mark was the kid in the, in the infomercial. In the, in, yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, he was oh the producer gosh. of the, of the video or he was the guy who made the Floby. No, the, just the video. He, he directed and produced the infomercial for it. I see. Okay. Just, uh, we did a, a zoom with him yesterday cause it was mother's day. So with Vinny's mom and 
And uh, he was kicking himself for uh, giving away all those flow beats all those years ago. Yeah. <laughs> His hair was pretty long. <laughs> so, so, Vinny, are you saying this hair was done by Floby? <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> Because that would be clutch in the corner. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, those are some things that we have to talk about today, uh, of course, is how this quarantine is affecting everybody, uh, even even personally. And we'll get to that, too. Um, But as you know, uh, the shows I've been doing during this have have really been to talk about what breweries have been doing during this time and, and, and me being able to relate to that as someone who sells your beer. Uh, from my location, which, by the way, I'm I'm pleased to announce that as ever, Vinny, uh, Russian River is paying my rent, man. Yeah, I, we sell more Russian River beer than, than than anything else, and it's always been that way. Good, we're happy to help. Mm, we are happy we're to helping, hear that. Helping yeah. a lot of restaurants and retailers out right yeah. now. We're really proud of that. Yeah, yeah. You're helping us too, so thank you. Yeah, it's a it's a two it's a two way street, and um, you know, but we also feel for all the, you know, bars and stuff out there that can't be open, whether they sell our beer or not. Yeah, our number one account, as you know, is, probably is, is not open. Over in the city. Not allowed to be open. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I was thinking about that today, uh, mostly because selfishly I wanted to know where I rank in your, in your sales list now. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, well, if it, I'm allowed to say the account, right? You're not the other one. Um, well, we yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can say hop grenade Toronado. Gotcha. Just, and then you, and then you're fair. Two accounts. That two makes it legal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, other, the other unique thing for us is uh, with this, we went, we were just going into baseball season, right? And we, we sell a lot of beer at the baseball stadium public in San house. Francisco at the public house. That's so. actually who I was thinking of. I thought Toronado, at least during baseball season, was was second, and yeah. and that public I'm house. Honestly, not sure, but yeah, yeah. Um, we had a lot of blind pig in the tanks, uh, more than we did. just for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. It's uh, blind pig is still uh, you know second favorite, second favorite only to a beer. That we've never gotten at the hop grenade before, but oh. now we do. Beatification. Oh. You guys sold us a case of beatification this yeah. week that I, I had half a mind to keep to myself, but then I remembered that we're broke and I should sell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you own your own business. Yeah. Well, did you get that this week or last week? Uh, last week. We got it Thursday. Because I, I was in, I've been working in the warehouse almost every day. And um, I saw the driver go and grab a case of the application off the pallet. We don't sell a lot of that distribution wise. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I asked the driver where he was going and he said East Bay. I didn't ask specifically where it went, but I, that's obviously uh, where it went. Good. So. It's us. And we take good care of your driver, too. Uh, every time he comes, I, I give him shirts and like he just oh, thank he, you. He, I mean, you guys, he shows up with so much beer every Thursday and we just love him. So we're, I'm like, I, I have a new shirt design that's out now. Uh, I wish I had a photo of it, but we're going to promote it tomorrow. It's my hop grenade with a mask over it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And my listeners actually know that I've been germaphobic since, like, we started this thing. It's a, it's kind of a thing. And so it just says, like, you know, germaphobic since 2005. Um, Perfect. So I promised him I'd get him one of those. Yeah. yeah. I love it. So let's go backwards then, because I, I wanted to start at the beginning with you guys. And, and you know... 
I think you guys know this. The the industry uh, looks to you guys uh, for, as an example of what's happening. And, and if and if Vinny and Natalie are doing it, we want to know about it. And and then not just that, <laughs> but you guys just opened a, a very large facility um, and invested a lot of your money into that. Um, and 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 this has come down too. So I really wanted to sort of start at the beginning and and then get to today. So back in mid-March, uh, for me, it was, uh, you know, March 16th, the, the decree comes down that everyone's got to close. And, I, and I'm guessing pretty much the same for you, right? Yeah. Um, pretty much, yeah. So Governor Newsom announced on, I think it was March 15th, that all restaurants um, had to go to like 50% capacity. Okay. And so we tried that, uh, well, I guess the 16th. Yeah. And then the 17th. The next order came out that uh, we were to shut down. All restaurants were to shut down. All bars closed. Restaurants shut down, open for takeout, if that worked. So so then, so we had kind of already removed a bunch of furniture out of both group hubs and, and uh, we're, we're trying to do this thing for 48 hours. And then on the 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day, which is historically <laughs> a very busy day at bars and restaurants Um, you know it's just kind of a a big buzzkill if you will Uh, so that was the day that we ended up um, unfortunately laying off um, I guess we've I guess we had 142 employees furloughed like 100% laid off yeah and then uh, reduced hours for about another 25 we brought a couple back But um, to do other weird things, but um, and did that include that that include brewery staff, or was that just to close the restaurants? It did. Hospitality, housekeeping, because we we do our own um, cleaning Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, Admin. Yeah. 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 A lot of that. So, and so that was really hard. So we we did the same right on the seventeenth here at the Hop Grenade. Um, Now, did they? Was the brewery shut down as part of that decree back then, too, or just the restaurants? No, no. Breweries have always been deemed essential in California. We're really lucky because, like, in Nevada, they're not. In Australia, they're not. So Mm -hmm. grateful for that. Technically, a brewery is supposed to have an FDA license, which um, we happen to. Not that they're checking that right now, but that's... That's really what it comes down to is that the FDA does have jurisdiction over brewery and that makes you a food facility. Okay. So you get generalized under this umbrella of a food facility mm-hmm. and, um, and whether you have that FDA license or not, it's not like the FDA is out, you know, checking breweries, but that, that is what makes it legal for a brewery. And when before um, the, the governor put his, you know, shelter in place and all that um, in into, you know, law. We, our county was taking measures. And so we actually had, we, we made contact with our supervisors and talked to them and they actually wrote uh, breweries into the local regulations before the federal, or before the state, you know, took, took their action. Um so Sonoma County was pretty proactive and included um, any facility, you know, because if you think about Sonoma County, it's wineries, breweries, but it's dairies, it's poultry, it's, you know, yeah. you go on and on and on, you know. Farmers. Farmers everywhere. Sure. 
That makes sense. So, so yeah, so we, we, we just, we kind of, we had to pivot pretty quickly like everybody did. And I mean, I know, I don't know. I keep hearing 48 hours. Everybody keeps saying the first 48 hours are just kind of spun wildly out of control. And I think we kind of had a pretty similar experience. And for me, I'm a little more emotional and sensitive than me. Uh, Shocking. (laughs) But for me, you know, I, I, uh, I was having a hard time processing having to lay off all of these employees because, you know, we have a lot of long-term employees and having to tell them, Hey, you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. And, and us not being able to tell them that because, you know, when you, when you tell, when you lay off 160 employees all at the same time, you can't do it. You can't do it in person. No. No. The opportunity to have a conversation with somebody that says, Hey, this is temporary. Nobody knows what's going on. You know, just know that you have a place with us when, yeah. You know, whenever this all comes back. And so I think for me, I, you know, it took me about, I think I cried every day for about a week. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, in the process of that, I was also still trying to, Benny and I were trying to figure out what, what we were going to do just to make money to, to make ends meet yeah. and, and pay the bills. But, yeah. um, so once, um, I, I guess it did take about two days, it was two days, but two we days. were, we were oddly calm. And we've, we've talked about this before and in other interviews since then. And we, we attribute that to the fact of all the natural disasters that we've been through. Yeah. You know, yeah. fires, I mean, huge fires floods. in 17, floods in 19, early 19, in November 19, the, the Kincaid, Kincaid fire, fire that came within a you know, Town was evacuated. Whole county was evacuated. I mean, we've, we've had so much, you know. And then, you know, and in, in between that, you know, there was the big fire in eighteen up in Butte County that, you know, wasn't didn't affect us directly, but it certainly you know, emotionally. emotionally. And yeah. you know, we had gone up to Chico to volunteer for some stuff, and so I, I do think that we had a little bit of calm to us because of all of that that we had, we had been through. And, and it's, it wasn't that anything could prepare us for what we were about to go into. Cause you can't see the virus. No. Obviously. Yeah. It was more just that we'd been through a bunch of crap before. And we'd known that we, you know, we've gotten through two major fires. Our West County has been recession. through a big flood and then a the recession, recession, you know, 12 years ago, whenever that was. So yeah. we've been through a lot of stuff. And I think when you, you become, become hardened but you you yeah you get resilient sure it makes sense and and in fact yeah if I, i'm not very religious but if i'm you guys i'm like wow times are like biblical for us up here there's fires and yeah exactly yeah. we're we're uh we're looking forward going god i hope it's not a bad fire season yeah you hear the, the experts saying that this could rear its head again in the fall. Yeah. And it's like, that's when we're, you know, power could be shut off. We could have fires again. Public safety. And then you're going to have, and- you're going to have this. Yeah. Yeah. That can't all be happen again. I yeah, ironically, we had just secured. So, so in order to get a generator, <laughs> to rent it, so we couldn't afford to buy a generator big enough to run the Windsor brewery this year. So we decided to rent, but in order to secure a rental, you had to get it done by June. So we had just literally secured our rental 
for June through November. Okay. The six wow. rental for a generator that's big enough to run Windsor. It's a quarter million dollars that we committed to spend on this on this generator. And I'm not and, even and to put some switch gear in. Yeah, and we some bought other some stuff. things that yeah. were more permanent, but but still, but. it wasn't. It was literally like three days later yeah. that, that we had to shut down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, you know, at least we have a generator coming in June. Yeah. <laughs> and so at this, when stuff like this is happening, and I've said this in some of our other interviews, almost to me, the only, the only comforting part sometimes is that everybody's fucked. Like, it, you know, as that starts to happen to you, you're like, well, it's not just us. So we're going to figure this out. Everyone's got to figure this out yeah. together. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Before before we went on air live and uh, Teresa and I were just talking about like that feeling of having every tank full and then you're like, you're shut down. Yeah. Like, oh, what do I do? With, <laughs> like, <clears throat> yeah. How many, you know, we we have, I don't know, probably a few thousand barrels at a time always tank i mean it's, sure. it's a lot of beer you have it dialed in you know you and i were planning a uh a collaboration beer i was in new yeah. zealand uh, uh selecting our hops when this happened um, yeah. and i just bring it up actually because you had reached out to me you know a few months ago and you're like hey i'm all for this collaboration project but you got to get on my schedule i need you know i need to know when the hops are going to be yeah. here because you have it dialed in it's a system yeah so, yeah, one cog in that wheel, never mind all the cogs in the wheel. <laughs> um, right. So let me ask you this, uh, because so we were closed for a couple weeks here at the Hop Grenade waiting for me to get back and then come up with a plan. Uh, we also had, had laid off our employees, which um, Natalie, by the way, we don't we don't just share uh, hair products and curls. I'm the emotional one in this group over here, too. And uh, I'm just like, oh. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and I'm still, I'm still working every day to figure out how we're going to bring more employees back. Um, but anyhow, in our first week open, I was still able to get a couple kegs from you. Um, and we started doing growler fills because the ABC changed those rules. Um, yep. I actually may, you might've thought it was silly Vinny, but I actually texted you asking if you mind because oh. Some of the really good brewers I know, like whenever I would bring up growler fills, like it'd be cool if retailers could do it. They'd go, no, no, we don't want that. We package our beer the way we package it. And so I asked your permission. (laughs) We had dozens of accounts reach out to us. Asking if it was okay. Okay. Oh, good, good. That's actually (laughs) super cool. It was really cool. I I have an awful lot of respect for you and everyone else that did just... Out of pure respect, and you know, at the same time, it's not—it's not something we're in love with, you know, long term. Because ninety-nine percent of the, you know, accounts out there wouldn't do it right. Yeah, you're a part of the one percent. I'd like would. to think so. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, and, you know, because there there are states that you can walk in with a. A mason jar, yeah, and a fill water it. bottle. Why are they like? Well, what was in that? How was it cleaned? And you know, but this is survival right now. Yeah, and I figured that that was your answer too, um, but did want to check. But within a week, um, keg beer was was no longer available, and, and which is okay. Obviously, I'm just curious about that, and I'm guessing I was one of a very tiny amount of of accounts left buying kegs. 
So you needed to switch to bottles and cans or? Yeah, we, um, you know, we, I mean, it's, you've, you've been to the Windsor Brewery and um, Teresa, have you been there? I have, yeah, a couple times. Yeah, so I mean, the, the bottling line's really big. Yeah. It is. Definitely oversized it. And we really oversized, oversized it thinking long term. And now that decision really has paid in, in spades because we can bottle 375 barrels or some large amount for us, you know, um, in, in one shift. Yeah. And, uh, we can just turn it up and we're running it faster than we normally do, but we're getting it all done in the same quality specs. And um, I mean, grocery stores are doing quite well. Yeah. I think they're up like 15 or 20% in beer sales. And obviously there's no draft, but um, I I find what's most interesting in all this from a business standpoint is that all you heard about was tap rooms and Mm -hmm. those were the lifeblood of a brewery. And if you didn't have a tap room, how could you be in business? And then big breweries, you know, regional or national players, that don't have that, that local niche. Maybe they have retail, but they don't have that that local thing. Yeah. You know, and they're too big. Now suddenly they're the ones that are are selling all the beer because they're in the position to sell pallet loads of beer to you know to distributors or directly to grocery stores, however they distribute. Mm-hmm. And um, you know now the the shoe is on foot, if you will, and we feel very fortunate that we've always had this mix of retail and distribution and it's, and it's pulling us over right yeah. now, along with we're selling direct to consumer um, shipping every week, you know, selling beer on our website. So, and I want to ask you about that, but it is a good point you make about the grocery stores. I still find it interesting. You know, I go into my local Safeway and half the shelves are empty, but not the beer aisle. <laughs> You guys, everybody's keeping that beer aisle stocked. Yeah. And it's not because they're keeping it stocked. They're keeping it stocked. What's what's interesting was, I can't remember which brewery told me this. One of the larger craft breweries said that the grocery stores couldn't keep all the other, you know, essentials, you know, toilet paper or whatever on the shelf that they, if, if you were a brewery and you wanted to keep your beer on the shelf, you had to go in and restock it. I or see. It wasn't going to get put out. Interesting. And, um, and yeah, I've heard a lot of uh, of our wholesale partners say that you know sales reps have now been converted into into stock clerks. Yeah. Basically, you know they're because they really have they can't call on accounts. Most of their on premise accounts are closed, and so now they're. They're in uh, markets at four o'clock in the morning stocking shelves. Yeah, I thought so that that might be the case, uh, yeah. just because everyone's got to move over to that that channel, right? So yeah, we all did. I think even in your customers, uh, which are my customers too, your fans, um, you know, I think that they're also they were somewhat used to restrictions on quantities. Um, in the beginning, when we opened the Hop Grenade, we had to keep it to like two or three bottles or something. Over the years, we were able to stop having restrictions. But people, now that we're just to go, uh, people call all the time and they're like, well, well, how much Pliny do you have? And I'm like, I got a shitload of Pliny. You know? And they're like, is there a restriction? Nope. How big's your truck? 
but that's the restriction. And uh, are you a retailer? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. What are you going to do with this beer? That's the other question. You know, that's... Yeah, yeah, don't sell it again, please. So, you know, I have had a couple of times, we'll send out a, a social media picture of our beer fridge, like when we get it full of SKUs. And, you know, we're just promoting we have it for sale. I've two times I've had someone call and go, I just got your email. I want everything in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm right. like, uh, I don't think you, I don't think this is for your personal use, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I've had to restrict it only on those like parameters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had uh, we had somebody call us from Washington a couple weeks ago and uh, know how much. Pliny they could buy and they were going to drive down from the state of Washington from Seattle. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to know what their maximum limit was, which would determine which car they brought <laughs> or which and you so our general manager, our manager said, well, how much do you want to buy? And he said, well, 40 cases. He's like, yeah, I'll sell you 10. So you can bring a small car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But still bigger than a Fiat. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. somewhere between a Fiat and a, you know. And a van. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. We did, uh, with our direct-to-consumer shipping, uh, we had a retailer in Southern California sneak through and get an order in. But after that, I caught it on the second round. Ten and cases. Yeah, anytime the orders would come through and I would see a lot, I would pull up the address and plug it into the um, oh. night. Sneaky, sneaky. Retailer. Yeah. We're not going to. This is, yeah. So let's talk about that then. So here you are, you know, you say you kind of change things in two days. And one of the things you immediately have to figure out is how to sell more direct to consumer, right? I assume Mm -hmm. that was probably your biggest challenge. It was. It was a huge challenge. And, and, uh, you know, with with all the things that we know and all the experiences we've had and the (laughs) big, beautiful brewery that, you know, we built from scratch and, you know, everything we've gone through and then it was like grinding gears to try to figure out how to sell, you know, online direct to consumer. I mean, printing labels. <laughs> the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. The simple Just thing. Printing the damn labels. The shipping labels. The freaking shipping labels. Yeah. You know, the whole like science behind this. And if you don't have all the right software and the right hardware yeah. and the right IT guy and the right web person to figure all this stuff out, um, it's yeah. literally like grinding gears. And so literally the first two shipments. First shipment. The first shipment. Maybe one and a half. We shipped like 800 cases. And we printed out every wow. label on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Folded it and taped the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know how many like hundreds of dollars of tape we went through. I think the boxes were like a box. <laughs> the label and then it was completely wrapped in tape. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well we were and probably getting their boxes like what were these guys doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then our first we had the first shipment we had five different shipping boxes because yeah. of course there's a shortage on shipping boxes too yeah. right oh yeah so the, the the box that we had the most of didn't fit our 510 milliliter bottle mm. too tall and so they were totally janky and they were like all up Mounded. on the top and so we would have to like 
through all this tape around to try to get it down and yeah. it, was really, it was definitely not rushing over quality, quality. Yeah. hey do what you have to do so much better listening to this i honestly it, it kind of <laughs> Little, so. uh, we were we were calling every company we could to find shipping boxes and because we put we put the beer online for sale the first time oh. like 120 shipping boxes in inventory and we didn't think that there would be that much beer sold we online we didn't think that many people would buy it and and it exploded thankfully yeah and, and we had a great we response scrambling. and so we were calling any company we could find and um, you know. There, there was the only brewery that I think was shipping direct at the time that had already started was Cellar Maker had started. Okay. And um, so Connor was, was you know, helping us with some stuff. I think and, he was um, helping everybody. But, but what's interesting is that this isn't our first time shipping beer direct to consumer back 15 years ago or whenever it was just after the Santa Rosa Brewery opened 2004. So it was probably 2005 because it was the first sour beer we made. Mm. It would ship direct. And that was because when you think about the mid 2000s, no one was would buy sour beer. I mean, it was, it was hard to sell it. So we needed to have a farther reach. And, and so we would sell beer on, on our website. And then it got to the point where, you know, we would, it was still pretty slow back then. And Natalie would come to me and say, what do we have to sell? We need to make payroll. Yeah. We'd sell beer out of our, you know, our own Russian river beer out of our personal stash to make, payroll. to make payroll. Wow. And, yeah. You know, there's the whole story about pH one, the, the barrel pH one, which is what the rare barrel named after. Yeah. And we don't have any pH one left other than like one display bottle. I remember chatting with the guys from the Rare Barrel about this. And they said, what? You don't have any? And I'm like, no, we sold it to make payroll you yeah, know, yeah. times right. until we didn't have any more. <laughs> Gosh. But this is that's it. what we're doing right now. And now you're so. back. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't know. You know, people, people may not realize, too. I know how hands-on the two of you are. So when this happens, I, like, immediately picture you in the warehouse taping boxes. I can see uh, that me. happening. You Wait, know, yeah. did you see my post from today? Yeah. She, I she did it. But I did see yours early on, Natalie. On yeah. I do. I do fulfillment now. And- I figured you were doing that. And I'm like... Okay, there we go. Yeah, Just yeah. Today. <laughs> <laughs> See, and I'm like anybody who doesn't think Vinny's a brewer's brewer. I guarantee you, he's in there doing fulfillment, packing boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Guarantee. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, that's my. That's my new job. I'm yeah. warehouse guy. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's always been something. Yeah. Janitor, so warehouse. Today in the warehouse, we had Vinny. We had Bobby, our uh, floor manager from the pub, and we had Bobby, who's our local. Our local rep. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of our team, you know, doing doing the shipping. It's not it's not like normal people in this warehouse. No. No. This is I mean our our warehouse manager is still doing his job. I don't you probably remember Bird used to deliver free. And um so he he runs the warehouse. I mean, because we still have distributor trucks coming and going and um you know, interesting part of all this is is supplies. So, you know, suddenly bottle sales are three times of what they were, you know, they're in a glass. Yeah. We don't just have, uh, you know, a standard heritage or long neck bottle. Ours is a custom bottle. So, no, the glass company didn't have enough glass. So we had to go to an alternative source that thankfully, yeah, that bottle, thankfully we were able to get 
20 truckloads of glass from Germany. Wow. And we literally thought this through like two days before they were about to do the run. So they were able to extend it for us. Um, cardboard. Thankfully, our cardboard company is is still rolling because mm. we're going through a lot more cardboard now. Um, our label company is still going. I mean, all these things that are, you know, auxiliary to the operation of the brewery. Yeah. And, um, and being able to get your supplies to keep to keep going. Yeah. Did you know there's a CO2 shortage? Yeah, now there's a CO2 shortage. Yeah. I did yeah. hear about that. that. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, we, go ahead. We, yeah. Well, we have a surcharge tacked on all of a sudden. So we are, you know, we're pivoting to having nitrogen doers to do beer movements and, you know, stuff that doesn't necessarily require CO2. Yeah. Yeah, we were just talking about that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, nitrogen is not cheap either. But yeah, our, our surcharge is about 25%. We're paying 25% more. Wow. Mm-hmm for our CO2 because we're in a, a force majeure, which allows or gives them the, the opportunity to charge more. Right. And, um, that's all over the country. We were on uh, something with uh, Allagash last week and uh, Jason was saying the same thing, or I was on some Brewers Association call with him or whatever it was. And uh, it was yeah, it's always, it's, it's everywhere right now. And you yeah. know, all of our CO2 in the Bay area comes from the refineries because they, they extract the CO2 from the uh, refining process, but because no one's driving, no one, they're not selling, you know, oil. Yeah. Not selling yeah. gas. Yeah. And there are, they're full. So, I mean, even once this all goes, once the world gets back to normal, It'll be there's a- so much, there's such a backlog of gasoline right now that it's going to take months for them to, um, to, to get refining oil again and that's going to be the next big hiccup. I mean, it's already an issue, mm-hmm. but it's going to become an even bigger issue. I mean, the, the biggest, the best thing that could happen is the federal government buys like millions of barrels and puts it in their reserve. Mm-hmm. That would get the refineries running again, which will give us CO2. So yeah. in, in, the mid, in the Midwest, most CO2 comes from cow manure. Oh yeah, interesting. Is that right? Yeah, and wow. and so you know, there it's not quite as bad, but it it I mean it is bad. But I mean, if you have a, a meat plant that shuts down, then they're not processing meat. It's the same thing as cars not driving. Yeah. Yeah. Is this so. another moment, Vinny, where our friend over at Sierra Nevada is a, a forward-thinking genius, and he's like processing all Always. his own CO two? Uh, Ken, Ken and I were just <laughs> texting about this the other night about yeah. CO two and and what it, the surcharges and and whatnot that that are put in place if you uh, don't have CO two recovery. Yeah. But yeah. You're, no, you're exactly right. I mean, Ken and team there at Sierra recovers their CO2 and, and also you bottle conditioning, but yeah, yeah. you know, bottle conditioning and IPA isn't a good thing to do because the yeast will take up the hop oils and the alpha acids. And so you reduce your bitterness and you lose hop aroma I see. through the process. So it's not, it's not something that's really helpful. And, you know, you still need to, if you carbonate your beer, force carbonate your beer, I mean, you can use nitrogen to push beer around from tank to tank, but you still need CO2 to carbonate your beer. If you, you know, artificially carbonate, which 99% of the breweries in America do. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, plus you have these those beautiful new open top fermenters that have like zero ability to reclaim CO2, right? Like even if you wanted to cap and, and capture a little bit, you're no, not happening. Not with those. Yeah. yeah. No. You, you've got others, yeah, or I guess. You, or you transfer the beer early from to a, a closed top. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, yeah, all the things we don't think about. Can I ask you this? Are you... Uh, what kind of capacity are you at now compared to before? You you selling thirty percent of your beer? Or, you know, 40? I think we're selling. I've thrown the number seventy percent out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a good number. Okay. I mean, I, I'll, 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 I'll never forget the, you know, just looking at our tank charts at both breweries, and we had every tank full going into this, just thinking, what are we going to do with all this beer? And thankfully, grocery has been doing really good. Um, we took all of the beer that was in tanks at the at in Fourth Street at Santa Rosa. We have a little ten barrel, so a three hundred and ten gallon transfer tank that's got forklift pouches in it. It's got glycol connections on it. Um, we've had it for years. Hmm. Even when we had our old production brewery, that's how we would bottle some of our small one off beers is we would transfer 10 barrels at a time over to our old production brewery. So we're doing that, but like all the Pliny that we had in Santa Rosa, we transferred to Windsor and blended it away. Same with the Blind Pig, Happy Hops. I mean, all the beers that you drink in Santa Rosa are made there. Yeah. Um, but all the small one-off beers, we just pivoted and made can labels for them. And, and then we, once that started rolling and doing okay with – direct to consumer or just people coming into our gift shops, you know, buying beer. We just kept doing more of it. So yeah. I, me, the naysayer for cans. Yeah. Is totally him. You and I have had too many conversations about this. We've had these conversations and I love you for it too, because yeah, you've always uh, been, that can. was today's cans. Right. Nice. 100% Centennial Hazy, Hazy IPA. IPA. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, nice. <laughs> Vinny made the label. Did you yeah, I made, I made that all one right. myself. <laughs> nice. Nice. I mean, isn't that what all the, I mean, the kids want either like everything flashy, every color under the rainbow or like a simple label. Yeah. I can make a vanilla simple label. That that's it's that or like a lot of the labels I've been getting in here are like very eighties. Like they're just straight out of the eighties. Uh, a lot of yeah. like light, a lot of um, like Miami Vice colors are coming through. Yeah, uh, and people are, do, any, do, do any have leg warmers on them? <laughs> Some of them. So I'll tell you who the I don't even mind saying it. I like these people quite a bit. Uh, the guys out at Alvarado Street. They're the, oh, yeah. they have, we love, we love them. They, Casey's great. They have the wackiest labels. They also kind of have the wackiest beer. And I'm not a very adventurous beer drinker. I'm going to be honest. I'm always having the kind of the same beers and, uh, being in here selling beer every day now, um, cause we laid off our employees and I work for free. Uh, so I'm tasting more and more, but we'll get these Alvarado Street beers, you know, and it's like, I don't know what, like, description. I could give you the most, you know, like, strawberry shortcake, banana, hazy, juice bomb, something, right? And I'm, I, and every time I look at it, I'm like, who the fuck is going to buy this? Yeah. And without variance, 
it's the first beer to sell out every damn every oh, time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every yeah. single time. Alvarado Street has a following. <laughs> they do, and they yeah. make killer beer. Like I make fun of it when I read the description, but it's always a tasty beer. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I make fun of JC right now. Whenever I see him, just for all the crap, weird things that they put in their beer that I would never do, or like strawberry shortcake or whatever, you know. Yeah, but they're 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 a bit like you in the sense of their following, where where people just call and they don't ask what I have from Alvarado Street; they just ask if I have Alvarado Street, and they call and they ask, "Do you have Russian River?" And as soon as you say yes, they just come in and buy whatever it is, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. so, okay. So, now, so this one, CFJ 90, that was the, that's the experimental name for Centennial. Hmm. I started homebrewing in, in 1989. I walked into oh, really? a little homebrew shop in El Cajon, California. So East San Diego County. Yeah. And there was two little, you know, the one ounce bags is what you would buy your Opson back then at Beer and Wine Craft was a homebrew store. And there was, this is the first time I'd ever seen experimental hops. It was CFJ4 and CFJ90. And still to this day, the only other brewer that I know that remembers CFJ4 is Steve Dressler, former, you know, retired brewmaster of Sierra Nevada. And Ken even like barely remembers it. But Dressler and I still, you know, talk about and reminisce about this hop. And I was just a home brewer. CFJ90 was the other hop and it ended up becoming Centennial. Okay. Um, and so we made this once before, but, you know, we were looking for a small batch single beer that we knew that we, or we thought would sell well. And so three weeks ago, we said, well, let's brew CFJ90 again. It, it went over well two years ago when we brewed it. So, um, so we're trying to be creative like that and cre- and bringing back recipes, creating new recipes mm-hmm. um, that maybe we won't, maybe we will brew again, but yeah. it's going to keep us, you know, unique and keep it fresh. And at least you get to do that and have a little fun with it while you're at it. I mean, during this whole thing, we got to have a little fun still, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. And now a new one coming out in a couple weeks. That I'm really excited about. Yeah. What's, you going to yeah. tease it for us? Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. So stay tuned. Okay. We got a, a new beer. Hasn't been out. Uh, we've never made it Never before. made it. Okay. Um, something uh, something we've never done before. So we're really excited. All we'll say is that it has something to do with our most popular beer. Okay. All right. That's Ooh. it. So it's not something that's going to prompt me to text you and make fun of you for whatever bullshit you came up with like Alvarado <laughs> Street. No, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. There's no peanut butter. Yeah. There's no weird ingredient in it. Okay, fair. Yeah, yeah. It's the four traditional brewing ingredients. Beer flavored beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Teresa, what what capacity would you say that you guys are are at now from where you used to be? How much? I feel like we're pretty similar. We um, we actually just signed a very basic agreement with a local distributor, and they have been taking beers in pallets, and that's allowed us to ramp up our production back to you know pre COVID times. Wow, great! So we've been brewing our asses off for two weeks, and now most everything is full. So I'm just I'm see if we keep this pace up because um, we had let everything kind of run down a bit. Yeah. Okay. But we've, uh, yeah, we've, we are very thankful for our canning line. I know you guys were saying the same thing, but for us, we, we have a bottler, but it would be, it's a counter pressure forehead thing that's very manual. So 
Having the canning line has been a lifesaver. But, but think about if you hadn't signed that deal with a distributor. Then what? You would have. Yeah. Right. This I, would probably be a different answer. But you know what? We, we actually didn't sign it until three weeks ago. So it was actually after all this came together. Did we you already just dis- did you already distribute to some stores in your area? We, yeah, we just we self distribute and we still are self distributing. Yeah, um, yeah. So you you're not just a. Oh no, no, no. We we actually we probably had sixty percent business in bars and restaurants, and then maybe ten percent was um, like off premise cans. Um, and now, of course, ninety percent is cans. Yeah, um, but we're still doing fairly well with beer to go, um, in our premise. And then we're, you know, we're in the big box stores now, which we never were before. So yeah. and that's been actually pretty cool to be able to grow to that all of a sudden. I don't honestly, really, if we had had all our accounts still, and then we had this big opportunity with a distributor to go to big box stores, we wouldn't have had enough beer. So it's, all kind of fortuitous in that way for us, but it's, it's still very strange. Yeah. And it, Justin, you know, you know, what's, you know, what's interesting here is that for, you know, years, I mean, more than a decade, um, other, you know, future brewers would come to us, brewery and planning would come to Natalie and I and say, what would you suggest? What advice would you give us? Mm-hmm. And we would say like, well, Okay, 70% of our income at Russian River comes through our brew pub it's back before we had Windsor. And, and then we would go on to say, but we always have kept distribution and we do ship out of state a little bit just so that all of our eggs aren't, yeah, we just distribute out of state. And just so our eggs aren't all in one basket, I'm pretty sure like 90% of the brewers in planning that came to us stopped listening to us when they heard us say 70% of our income is from our, yeah. you know, on-premise retail. That's where the most money is made, so on and so forth. Yeah. But having that that diversity is, this is showing why it's, it's good to have some diversity, yeah. you know, between distribution. Yeah. And, you know, we, we do everything. We sell retail, we self-distribute, and we have distributors both in California and out of California. Albeit, we don't ship a lot of beer out of California, but it's still something. Yeah. No, I think it's a good point that you make, and and some lessons that that people are learning now. Uh, you know, a little bit about diversification, um, and even just you know what what has been sort of the king of 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 big business in recent years. Uh, our our food supply chain is a good example. Uh, what's been the king of our food supply chain in the last decade or more has been efficiency. So a consolidation of meat processing plants, for example, uh, so that farmers have really become efficient in what they grow. Uh, then it goes to a processor and then it goes to a supermarket. And that's been great to increase margins and keep the supply chain working when it's working perfectly. And when something like this happens, we start to realize how fragile all of those things are, even though they were effective, they were still fragile. They were glass houses in a sense. And so your diversification is a way to uh, increase the stability of your chain. And uh, if the if the meat processors hadn't consolidated down to such a thing, it would have uh, not made the, the food system so fragile, too. And I think 
across the board, we're learning these lessons about how our system works right now in, at all kinds of levels, you know. Yeah, and the, and the breweries, you know, breweries have their own thing, you know, because we use very unique ingredients, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can't just get yeast, you know. <laughs> and, you know, one, one thing we did, the first thing I did was, um, you know, I said, okay, we're going to have some tanks emptied here. What can we brew that we don't brew enough of, but has a following? And for us, that's damnation or Belgian ale. First thing we did, we ordered a pitch of the the specific Belgian yeast that damnation used. Yeah, and it's now on like fourth generation. Wow. We're we're brewing beers that that we're taking up tank space that would normally have other beers that maybe because we're not, we don't have all the kegs to sell now. Um, but we've, you know, pivoted to these beers that one have a long shelf life, have great shelf stability, but also we know will sell. Um, but I think, I think it also shouldn't be missed that a brewery, you know, this is, we're now waiting, like you said earlier, we're waiting for what our next, yeah. you know, move is from, and we have, and we're getting it from the state. And if you're a brewery right now and all of your beer, you know, just got canned and then restaurants reopen, but now you need draft. Well, now you're 14 to 30 days, depending on what your cycle is. So I'm right now like, well, do we like, do I can or bottle this entire batch or do I hold some of it back just in case back to selling draft beer? Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, what do I do with that beer? I'm so glad you're bringing this up. Well, at least restaurants, you can sell them packaged beer that still sell on premise and perhaps be able to continue to sell off premise for a while. Who knows? Right. Yeah. We'll see see how long the ABC lets, lets the wild West continue out here. Um, But, you know, at least, you know, from a brewer standpoint, if you have cans and bottles, you can still, Say well, I don't have draft for you right now, but I do have these other things. Sure, maybe may not be ideal. At least you can. Well, but it brings up a a great point about trying to plan anything right now is a fool's errand. And so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this opportunity to bring up um, the the PPP loan system, the payroll protection program, and what it means to be open as a tap room or a bar or a restaurant in California. And so about uh, uh, over a week ago, uh, you know, 10 days ago, uh, our governor Newsom gets on the news and says, hey, you know, settle down, everybody for restaurants and such. We're talking months, not weeks before they open up. And then with and then a few days later, I get my payroll protection program loan for the hop grenade. And I come up with this plan of how to use it because you, you have to use it within a certain time and you have to yes. use it the right way. And But that's okay because to me, I'm excited. I can bring back not all, but some employees. And I'm making this whole plan about what it looks like to continue doing what I'm doing now, not be open because that's what Newsom said, and bring my staff back. And literally, as I'm on the phone hiring them back, Newsom's back on the air saying, oh, we're talking days, not weeks, before we get word about what it looks like to be open in the restaurant sector. And now I'm going, okay, I've just come up with a plan to spend this money to be open a certain way. And now 
I don't know, in seven days, 12 days, 29 days, I don't know how many days I'm going to be allowed to be open. 150 days. And and because I don't know what being open looks like, because he hasn't said that, am I open at 30%? Is it outside seating only? Is it? So point, you can, I'm sure tell that it's, I'm a little frustrated by it. It's been frustrating. Uh-huh. Us too. I, I, I had a big staff meeting, a video call just like this to express to them I'm so sorry I don't have more information for you. I keep trying to get it, and I keep making a plan. And every time I make the plan, <laughs> it goes to waste anyway. Um, yeah. And so did you guys get funding for these types of things and running into the same problems? Yeah, we did. So we applied for the PPP in the first wave mm-hmm. um, through our bank, who was a, an approved SBA PPP lender. And we got it. Um, it funded on um, 420, April 20th. So our clock is ticking. Yeah. So you have eight weeks to uh, spend whatever money you're going to spend of this uh, loan. Yeah. Um, and then you have until June 30th to bring back 100% of your employees. Is that what it is now? That's to 100%? Yeah. It's, okay. Well, it's 100% at their full rate of pay. And then anything less than that reduces the forgiveness. Got it. So, so we honestly, you know, tons of lost sleep and, you know, pulling my hair out and number crunching and number crunching. And well, what do we do? Should we bring everybody back? Cause you know, tips are included in this. And yeah. So not a wage that employers actually pay oh. your employees. Tips are something that customers pay your employees. Credit card tips just flow through that are taxed yeah. through the payroll system. And so it actually ends up costing you more money um, by bringing them back and paying them not only their wage, but their tips and then their benefits and all that stuff. And so, sure. you know, we ran the numbers 20,000 different ways. And then we realized that, you know, most of them are making more money on unemployment. Right. So yeah. that wouldn't actually now. yeah. That wouldn't be the right thing to do to bring our, and I'm talking like kitchen, dishwashers, support positions. I mean, granted, some bartenders and servers, I know they make more than $26 an hour mm-hmm. um, all in, but um, but that was, it just wasn't the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and for us, it was kind of an all or nothing. And so we just decided that we would um, leave everybody furloughed. Um, unemployment has been a nightmare for them. And so many of them have have just worked so hard just to get on it, their get their money. And so I don't want to mess with that for them because we don't know how long this is going on. So say pretend you bring everybody back, you put them all back on payroll now. The eight weeks ends, the money runs out. We're still not open. Then you lay them all off again. Yeah, (laughs) and they exactly. That's and that's right where I landed because I just thought, okay. In however many days, I'm at least going to know something about what it looks like to be open, and then I could make a more educated decision about how to spend this money on my staff. Um, but I felt the same too about unemployment. Although in the back of my head, I've got the date that I, you know, I think the federal portion of the unemployment runs out at a certain time yeah. too. So that's got to so July. Yeah. That's what I thought. And that if yeah. that's not picked up again, well, now being on unemployment looks different. And so, um. You know, I, I'm trying not to sound like a real uh, uh, poor sport here, but it's just become very difficult to make any sort of plans. And when people ask me, well, what are you thinking? I'm like, 
I don't know what day is it. I have twenty different plans yeah. on twenty different days. You know what time is it really? What time <laughs> yeah. is it? So because I haven't For seen sure. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole changes all the time. The whole PPP thing was not built for the hospitality industry. Yeah, yeah. Pure and simple, and you know. And then the flip side is, is we still have employees that filed for unemployment like over eight weeks ago, and they still haven't gotten anything. Yeah, yeah. So, I've heard of that federal too. or state because of federal rules through the state. It's just like, ah, yeah, you right. know, right? And, um, I mean, that first. That first pay cycle, we just wrote checks to a bunch of our employees that needed. We just did another payroll. We just did a whole payroll. We basically. just paid everybody. Yeah. I see. That's that very nice. Because it was the right thing to do yeah. because rent was coming and we were yeah. just worried about them. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's so difficult. Our HR director spends probably most of her time helping employees with unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. And and you're lucky, you know, that's another lucky thing. You guys have built up your business that you have a department like that and you can take better care. You know, I think, yeah. you know, and maybe this is a good time to to pivot ourselves in this conversation to to end on, on a positive note also. Because what I found through talking to people is that um, not everything has has been terrible for our business models. And some of us have learned an awful lot about our customers about maybe where we could have been doing better and we thought it was going to be too difficult to do that. And then because we had to do it now, we discovered, oh, shit, well, that wasn't all that hard. And I thought maybe we could talk about things that might stick around for you after this is over, too. Sure. You know, I think uh, we were just talking with David Walker about this as well. It's like, you know, all of a sudden all these people are gone. And so you're kind of doing everything Again, you know, back. It's like old days. I mean, you guys. Yeah. You still do it already, Teresa. You, you do, do everything. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I, I definitely do everything now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once you start peeling back the layers of the onion and you're like, oh, why have we been paying this bill for five years? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, so I'm opening the mail every day. I'm, I'm doing the filing, uh, you know, spending a lot of time doing other, other strategic stuff and printing Stuff. But you know, you're just you're right. Where you just start peeling back layers of the onion, and you're looking at things in a different way, and like, oh, we really don't need to be spending money on yeah. that, or yeah. or perhaps this is a very inefficient way to do this thing. And so we've really sure identified some inefficiencies and yeah. some um, un- unneeded, you know, expenses, if you will. And it's and you know what was interesting emailing with David Walker of you know Firestone Walkers. A freaking huge brewery. Yeah, I mean they're big. Yeah, now, they're they're selling what four hundred thousand barrels just in California. Yeah, that's a lot of beer. That's a lot of beer. Yeah. And and yet he's making these comments about you know just like peeling back the onion, like Natalie said, and finding things, and you know, if it's happening at a brewery that big, it can certainly happen at a small brewery as well. Yeah. So, have you ever had anyone drink wine on your show? No, <laughs> but I right, like this. this. Is the first, yeah, because I just finished my beer. This is what I was drinking before. I hope you're not mad at me that I just drink my happy hop straight from the bottle. No, I, I don't mind my at happy all. Hop straight from the bottle. Okay, good. I, I I have a to go back to one of my our favorite breweries, Sierra Nevada. I am very much Sierra Nevada pale ales, like one of the greatest you know, inventions and sliced bread. Yeah. Like it from a bottle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fine from a glass, but I don't mm-hmm. can. Yeah. 
Oh, there's interesting. Oh, yeah, I can. Yes, and there's more snappiness to it. Yeah. And um, we had we had Zoom drinks with Ken and Brian a while ago, and um, and we were talking about that. Brian actually had a theory behind why it, hmm. it is better that way, but of course but no, yeah. I'm um, we're we're making our uh, our new Hellas Velvet Glow, and I like it from the bottle better than out of a glass. Oh, nice. It's oh, very cool. and more snappy. Yeah, we just got some of that too. I haven't tried this batch yet, so I'll have to. Yeah. Velvet Glow is excellent. Yeah, it's, it's a perfect fun. summer beer. Okay, good. It's awesome. So, I I do just want to comment that the, that you're right. There's something about getting back in there and and doing things that maybe you hadn't done in a while. And I don't think that it means that anyone has uh, neglected their business per se, but you just sort of. As things evolve, you 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 know that your time should be spent doing a few other things and and not kind of down in the weeds sometimes. And I kind of equate it to like I don't watch a lot of TV, but there was like a show where like about the like the boss, whatever the CEO of the company would come to work like in disguise to figure yeah. out what was like Under, really undercover boss. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. That's, that's how little I watch TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think of it a bit like that. That there's definitely a lot about my customers and my business that I just wasn't there on the day to day. I'm on the brewing network side more often. That has yeah. been eye opening and valuable mm-hmm. and will last. Um, even my 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 uh, employees' working environment. You know, when I'm like. Oh man, that thing, that thing's broken. It's probably been broken for months. <laughs> they probably told me it was broken. <laughs> and now I'm the one who has to work with it. Uh, and anyhow, like I'm getting I, this fixed. Yeah, I'm getting this fixed. Yeah. So I, I just do think there's some positives. Do you think you'll continue to uh, sell as much beer online as you do now? Will, will that be a department you just keep going with? You know, it, it, it has a lot of logistical challenges. It's a lot harder than yeah. it sounds. Yeah. And, and with, with, with today's society, so you do one click on Amazon and the next day you have your thing, whatever that is, um, it doesn't really work like that in breweries. You yeah. know, we're all just kind of scrambling to survive right now. And, um, and, and I don't know if people who are online shopping for beer envision just people waiting to fulfill their order in, in a warehouse somewhere. Um, cause we're not, that's not what we're set up to do. Yeah. You know, we're, we're set up to, um, to, to package and distribute beer and then also to have, you know, this retail presence with, with a customer experience and tours and, and all that kind of thing. And so to add online, shipping, which is something that we haven't really been into from a quality perspective because sure. we have our, our beer that we all work so hard to make. We put it in a box and then we put the box on the back of the truck. Yeah. And then we just hope and pray that that box <laughs> stays intact, doesn't cook, doesn't end up lost, doesn't get end up getting stolen and, and shows up at the customer's door um, in great shape, but, um, but that's this is, you know, that, that anxiety of, of watching it leave the brewery and having absolutely no control over it is concerning. So I, I envision that we would take a break over the summer. Yeah, the summer for sure. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, I, I look at my, you know, I've looked during construction of the new brewery, the weather app was our best friend mm. along with uh, the, what was the, uh, you know, the marine app that ship that showed the ships. Oh yeah. yeah oh, with yeah. your equipment on it. Yeah, yeah. Traffic marine app. traffic app because we could follow the ships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, 
like it's a lot of ships out there. Weather, yeah. weather is critical on a construction site. So, like, I found a really good, um, you know, like the local KTVU Fox station. Like, their app has like ten days of weather. Yeah. And, um, you know, from what I understand, Bill Martin's a home brewer. So, how can you not trust him? You know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I actually yeah. don't know if that's true or not. I've only like. I think I think I have someone told me that that has a reliable source, but I really Maybe don't he's know. Watching. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. He was a humper. Yeah. He'd be a fan of the brain. Anyways, long story <laughs> short, like I knew a week ago that today was going to be cool. I know that next Monday is going to be cool, and so it's a shipping like because we ship almost all of our beer on Mondays. So, okay. but like Natalie was saying, like you can't, we can't do this through the summer. I mean, we are looking for ways to. Talked to one of our managers today about starting to look for an insulating material that you can put in a box that's not styrofoam that's recyclable. Yeah, to the box. But we're not like there's no way we want to do you know styrofoam something that's not recyclable. It's just against our our ethos. Right. I think we will to some degree, but it's not going to be full on because the other thing is is everyone's home right now. So yeah. everyone is home yeah. to accept a shipment that has to have an adult signature. You know, how many businesses allow their employees to have personal packages shipped to them? To at work? I, I honestly, I don't know the answer to that. I'm just throwing it out there. But like, you know, that's it's going to change. That's, that's something that you have to think about. And um, so I, I think it'll become a seasonal thing for us. Okay. And, um, and, and we'll we'll roll with it, you know, that way, maybe special releases and, and whatnot. Do you have any predictions of what we might hear tomorrow? I hear that uh, Newsom's going to jump on and, and address maybe restaurants directly and what might be allowed. Have you guys, I know that, again, it's a fool's errand, but I have to ask. <laughs> um, I, I may have a little intel that I can't really share. At the okay, moment. okay. Being on the board of directors for the CCBA. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I have a feeling that um, that there will be more clarification on how uh, restaurants may operate, operate yeah. okay. uh, hopefully tomorrow. But you know what? Uh, that said, I feel like every time we think he's going to get on and make some clarification that might help us in this industry, I, I walk away feeling less clear than, than yeah. I, I I've walked away. I mean, I've been tuning into all the big um, – conferences that he had, you know, because they run on any major sure, you know, yeah, TV news stations uh, website, and then I walked away from most of them underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, it's been like, well, we'll today. I'm just laying out this. We'll tell you something next week, and the next week it's next week, and it's just this like it's perpetuating. It's a, but I think that you know, as hard as it is for us to make decisions about our lives and our businesses, I can't imagine being a public official trying to make decisions for 40 million people or 300 million people yeah. I just can't even, or billion, however many gajillion people live in the country, in the world. Yeah. I can't even imagine the pressure and all of the, I mean, for me, I feel like information is coming through a fire hose. And mm-hmm. you know, if you're the governor of a state or even the president or a leader of a country, um, you know, that information coming through must be coming through 10 fires. <laughs> yeah, so. I don't disagree with you. And and as I, you know, the, the, when I, the more frustrated I become, I do try to remember that. I don't envy the position of, of any of them. And, and I don't spend a lot of time disparaging them either. But it's yeah. just that at my most frustrated moments, uh, I'm kind of like, you know, 
I don't even care what the rules are anymore. I'm over it. Tell me what to do. If I have to stand on one leg and hold my breath and pat my head, I'll do it. Just tell me what to do. Like I'm a bear. And pour a beer though. Yeah. If I have to, I'm a survivor, Vinny. I will do that. Just making sure. Teresa, can you do it? Oh, I can do just about anything at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, Whatever and, it takes. Yeah. <laughs> and sure, it's just, it's, I'm a very loyal funny. citizen in that sense. I'll just do what I'm told. I just want to know. Sorry, yeah. Teresa. Well, and, and, you know, at some level for me, anyway, I don't have a restaurant. So it's, there's something simple about just doing beer to go. Mm-hmm. I have a room that can have 300 people, like 200 people inside easily. And then, you know, another 200 in the outside areas. And it's a big place. I'm really concerned about how we're going to transition from letting anyone be here. How are we going to manage the situation when we do have people here? And do you have, do you have food trucks and stuff too? We do. We have food trucks. Um, I just I I don't want to put our staff in a position where they have to tell people to leave when it doesn't look ostensibly crowded. You know, it's 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 a very strange. It's going to be a very strange transition. Yeah. I'm sure you got yeah. feel this hundred times what I do. Have you uh, have you already kind of redesigned your interior space to see what it would look like? Well, it's percent tables are fixed and they're at you know, a pretty good distance. So basically yeah. to remove a lot of chairs. Yeah. Uh, the flow of our place. I mean, it's, it would be kind of hard to always maintain that distance unless we start like designating tables and having table service. And yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a challenge. I've only done yeah. that Natalie as a, as a mental exercise. And I'll tell you why, partly because there's a number that's low enough that I'm not opening past what I'm doing right yep. now. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I have that same. Yeah. We run actually those numbers. I'm doing a break even analysis for the Windsor pub. We're doing a great to go business downtown. So in the Santa Rosa pub, we might just keep doing pizza and beer to go. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of a no brainer. Uh, in the Windsor brewery, um, really makes sense if we can't make a certain number of, you know amount of money every day to open it all because yeah. the food prep is so the much food and the labor is labor, so high yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's a giant space and uh the the menu is more complicated and the food costs are high and so you know i think you just have to run the numbers and just determine like is this even worth it for me or do we just continue to do takeout and just focus on that and and yeah, that's exactly where I'm at because right now, you know, as a, I'm a I'm a a small partnership, and me and my partner are just here working for free. But if I have to bring back even six, seven people, but can only operate at say twenty five percent, that's some that's yeah. some hard math. And so yeah. I am waiting to see what these are before I kind of physically go out there and and take a look at things. Um, but I do go through the mental exercise every time I walk into this place. You know what I mean? You yeah. you always think it's. I actually different. went on. Uh, so we use the No Wait app, or I guess Yelp owns it now, which is the um, the hostess. Um, oh yeah. I went in there and I redesigned it. And I, uh, I, I, well, we redesigned the whole restaurant. We pulled all the tables and chairs out. We have storage. So you guys probably don't have as much storage as we do. But yeah. We pulled them all out. And then I went in there and I, I redesigned that table layout. And that kind of helped with the visualization and also to count seats. Oh, uh, yeah. 
And that's so what I've been trying to do. I just wrote it down. You just told me something new, the No Wait yeah. app. I'm going to go check that out. Yeah, because yeah. um, yeah, I've been asking our GM to do the same. Like, hey, you got to get, I need some numbers. I need to know what, how many bodies is 25%, how many bodies yeah. is 50, Yeah, you know, things like that. Yeah, what does that look we've, like? We've also tasked both kitchen, well, not really Santa Rosa because it's pizza, but Windsor, we've, we've already, we have a new menu design for that or a reduced menu paired down. Yeah. Pulled out the high cost items. Yeah, smart. All the things to uh, just being prepared for A, B, C, or D, whatever. Yeah, is thrown at us. But you know, I was I was thinking that as I watch the news every night, and there's a story about a restaurant inevitably on every station. It was like, well, what do these people do with their leftover chairs and tables? Well, one of them just put blue painters tape over them and taped them together. It's like well, there went your ambiance. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like we have, we have extra space. We can, we can stash stuff away in a warehouse, put them on pallets, whatever. But what about that little restaurant mom and pop place? They don't have that ability. What about Justin? I mean, that's you. I'm just like that. So, and I'm glad you bring that up too, because also I'm, I'm reading every example I can find because there are states that have opened, right? Their restaurants. So I'm just reading what everyone's doing. And, um, yeah, one of the problems I have that you mentioned is storage. And I read about a restaurateur, I believe, in Texas, who he just gave a, a, a very nice, concise description of why people go out to eat. And it's not just because the food's good. We go out for the yeah. experience. We go out to be uh, to interact. Um, we go out Together. because uh, people like me and you, your 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 tap room is so gorgeous. I, I happen to think my bar is gorgeous. We 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 went through a lot of trouble to make them that way. And so, to somebody sent me a link today that people were putting plastic shower curtains in between tables, and I just went, nice. You know, I get it that you're trying to, to follow safety procedures, but no, I'm not doing it. Maybe a, maybe a dive bar would be cool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll go into a little plastic booth in a dive bar. I'll hot box it. You, I don't even care. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but, but not at my place, you know, it's not what we do here. And yeah. so, no, no. um, no, I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah. Vinny and I just, as you know, we just finished building our dream brewery and it's gorgeous. Yeah. And we built a brewery like this to Invite people to enjoy it. To make it feel like they're in our house. Otherwise, yeah. we would have just built a concrete box in a field to make beer and distribute it. That's and it right. would have probably cost us 25% of what we spent on it. But we went to painstaking efforts yeah. and expense to build this place that we invited the world to come and visit. And yeah. now nobody can come there. And it's really hard it's having the same issues that you guys are yeah. that, you know, yeah. we just, you know, I built this beautiful space to invite people into my, my second home yeah. so that yeah. we can enjoy some time together. And now we can't do that. It's, it's, it's difficult and frustrating, but I will say, and I have a feeling you might be with me on this. I, I'm not in the camp that says dining out is dead or that going out is dead. You know, there's a, there's several articles about that. And, and frankly, I, I just don't buy it. Um, I think it's too much a part of our life. Honestly, we're too big to fail as an industry. You know, that's that's yeah. something that got thrown around back in the in the Great Recession, didn't it? Too big to fail. Yeah. Uh, well, guess what? So is the hospitality industry. I I'm optimistic. I don't think it's going away. I think we have a long road ahead of us. But I but yeah. the model is yeah. not dead until until there's a vaccine. It's yeah. be a, you know a bumpy road, but. Uh, 
you know, they'll, they'll get a vaccine at some point, people that are way smarter than we are. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's, you know, I mean, you have to think back to things that we get vaccines for now. Well, at some point, polio. you know, polio, which is the last, you know, the big you know, pandemic. There, there, it, it got figured out. Who talks about polio now? Right. Yeah. It's like polio. What has another yeah. world? But yeah. uh, hopefully, you know, this will be the same thing. It's going to take some time, whether you're a restaurant, a brew pub, a brewery tap room, a winery tasting room, whatever it is, you know, bar that it's going to, you know, you're going to have to be scrappy yeah. to get mm-hmm. to that point, but mm-hmm. we, you know, we can do it. And I was, at, I was at one of our favorite local restaurants getting some to go food that's just up the road from our house a couple weeks ago. And the guy in front of me asked, I, I don't know who, I actually don't know the owners of this um, specific restaurants. Yeah. yeah. C, C Thai, C Thai noodle and C Thai bistro is just really great Thai food. And I don't know if the gentleman owns the place or if he just works there, I'm assuming he was one of the owners. I've never met anyone from there, even though they sell our beer. Mm-hmm. And, um, the guy in front of me says, God, I, I sure hope you guys survive this. Are you going to be Okay. And uh, you're like, the, have you met me? Because <laughs> the gentleman, the gentleman working says, "Well, yeah, we're going to survive it. We have to." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how we feel. Like we have to survive it. Like we have a choice. Like what else are we going to do? Like we're going to figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. Is pretty much what he said. You know, to be an entrepreneur at all, and and to be at the level that that you're at, and I, I would like to even think that the level that I'm at. You've always had to have that opinion like, yeah, I'm going to figure it out. You always yeah. had to. And we might have lows of, of some self-doubt here and there, but all the way yeah. through this, this journey, you've always gone, oh, we're going to figure this out. You have to. Yeah. You know, I like I think, that. I think one of, the, one of the things is, is do you run your business, as we always talk about, with a little bit of paranoia? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do if you run your business, it's always good to have that. It's something like if you watch, I see it on, I hear them talk about it on Shark Tank quite a bit. You run your business with a little paranoia, you know, someone's going to eat, someone's always waiting to try to eat your lunch. Like if you run your business that way, you're already scrappy and you're a little on edge and, and you don't just believe that. You and you're know. planning for what ifs. You're planning yeah. for what if, what if something happens and am I prepared financially yeah. or am I prepared mentally? Can I like, can I figure this out? You know, what, what am I going to do if something bad happens? Yeah. So I think that's, you know, one of the reasons Vinny and I have always had the mix of wholesale yeah. to retail and, um, and just other things, other decisions we've made along yeah. the way. So Yeah. As much as I'm complaining about having to come up with 12 plans a day right now, I've always had three or four plans. Always. Yeah. You just, you got to do that, you know? Um, they might not be on paper, but yeah. you know, in the back of your mind. Like, always you thinking know, of a way out. Yeah. All right. This, yep. is, this is that plan I dusted off 10 years ago. Let's revisit it. Yeah. And I like to, my favorite word, I really like that our vocabulary is the same too, because scrappy is my favorite. I'm always just like, <laughs> I'm, I never, I never describe myself as the smartest entrepreneur. I never describe myself as the most ambitious entrepreneur, but I'm scrappy as a motherfucker. Scrappy. <laughs> yeah. yep. We're all scrappy right now. Yeah. Bigger and small. Yeah. Even Elon Musk is probably feeling a little scrappy these yep. days. Agreed. 
I, I did get a few questions in from our, our viewers. You guys got a second oh, to answer those? Yeah. I forgot. We had viewers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know my godparents are watching. Let's see. Um, Who just texted? Yeah, my godmother's watching. Bye, Barb. You have at least one viewer out there, Justin. From yeah, from Oregon. Okay, perfect. My godparents in Oregon are watching. Are you still big in Australia? I am, yeah. Uh, and yeah. New Zealand. It's probably bigger than ever. Uh, now in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, Australia is our second largest listenership uh, after, oh, the U- awesome. after the U.S. I remember those, you and I have talked about this, those early years where I used to come on the Brewing Network back when it was at your house in your back room in the garage. Yep. There were there was people in Australia back then, and in, in the live chat room asking questions all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as I traveled around New Zealand, I got messages from listeners just saying, "Hey, we heard on the show that you're here. Come visit my brewery. Come stay That's at my really house." Cool. And in fact, when the lockdown was happening here in the U.S., it wasn't happening there yet. And a bunch of people were offering me these amazing places to stay, to ride it out. And I was like, I'm not going home. This sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, but then they locked yeah. down New Zealand, too. So I had to get back to work here. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Zach uh, is on the chat in, in, on Facebook. And he wants to know, Vinny, what draws you to the Centennial Hop so much? It seems to be of use in a lot of your beers. But uh, a lot of modern brewers might think it's a little humdrum, but you don't. Yeah, yeah. A lot of modern brewers do think it's pedestrian, but um, you know, it's it's a great filler hop, and um, it helps lift the flavor of a lot of other, you know, whether old varieties or new modern varieties. Um, you know, one of the one of the cornerstones of that hop is just it's like super cascade. And, you know, that's why I, I, I wish that hop CFJ4 would have made it because it honestly, I thought was a better hop than CFJ90. I can still remember that hop. And if, if Steve Dresser was here, he'd tell you the same thing. He and I have many beers talking about CFJ4, but, but, but CFJ90 Centennial just, it has like really great uh, flavors of, of citrus. And like, if you want citrus, you can go to Centennial and, you know, it's not also from a, a cost standpoint, it's not near as expensive as many of the, um, you know, newer, more modern varieties. And what I, what I love seeing is some of these new Fandango, you know, younger, more hip breweries, hip to the consumer, you know, that are finding that you can use and Chinook in a hazy IPA. This, I mean, I, the CFJ 90, what I just drank, it has the biggest hop burn. Mm. There's such a, 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 a mix of, of what little yeast is in there and polyphenols and the oils. You know, it, it really carries a lot of the same qualities as, um, as some of these modern hops when you get it at quantity. Um, but yeah, I, I say, you know, go back and, and look at some of these, these older varieties. They actually pair really well with, with newer varieties or, you know, on their own. And, you know, you think about a beer like, you know, two hearted from bells, that's all centennial, you know, uh, Sierra Nevada celebration that hop is built or that beer is built on new crop of centennial coming out and and that's when sierra starts brewing 
you know, um, celebration. Yeah. So yeah. a lot, it's, it's a super variety for, for all those reasons. It's a good point you make about mixing the, the new school and the, and the older school too. Uh, like I said, I'm not a very adventurous drinker, but now that I'm in the shop more often right now, I'm taste, I'm checking a few more breweries out. Ghost Town is a, is a brewery we've been getting a lot from out of, out of Oakland. And, and I'm really liking their beers. And every time I look up the hops, it's usually something a bit older with something newer, like, yeah. like Amarillo. Not as old as the sea hops, but it's been around a little while, and they're putting that with a yep. brand new one, like Rakav. I hadn't even heard of Rakav. Um, yeah, I mean Amarillo, Amarillo, and Simcoe are both twenty years old. Wow, you know, give or take a year, they both came out about the same time. And um, there's and, and Amarillo is a great you mm-hmm. know hop um, with with all of its beautiful stone fruit qualities that it that it has. Um, and then what's really unique is like Chinook. Um, I know a lot of the hazy IPA brewers have, have discovered Chinook and that it's a great hop to pair with some of the newer hops. But what's mm-hmm. interesting is you start looking at like Chinook from different regions. Mm-hmm. Yakima is much different than Chinook from Idaho. And you throw Michigan in the mix where it's just full on straight pineapple. Wow. From- you know, Michigan Chinook. And that's not a bad thing. It's really, we, we just had a batch of pop to it um, with Idaho Chinook from our friends at Gooding Farms. And, and I, I remember seeing those Chinooks when, when I visited Diane uh, there many years ago, and I finally brewed with them recently. And I, I'm in love with Idaho Chinook. Nice. I can't wait to brew with them again. Yeah, I had forgotten about that hop. I don't know if I told you this story, but we went to revive my favorite pale ale, Pale 31, down at Firestone. Matt invited the Brewing Network yeah. to come brew another version with him. Um, we we named it after my hop grenade in this case, but it was kind of it was pretty much Pale 31 with a few twists. And and he yeah. laid out a bunch of hops on the table. There was probably seven different varieties. All of them had been used in Pale 31, and then some extras too. And, you know, there was some new school stuff on there, uh, you know, Citra and a bunch of others. And everyone in that room stopped in their tracks when we smelt the Chinook. And I was like, I have forgotten about this hop. It is the best hop on the table. Everybody agreed. And Chinook's I don't know where his was from. Pig, but... you know. Oh, it is? Yeah. Favorite IPA? Since day one. Really? It's been in Blind Pig. Yeah. Since, yeah. since the 90s. Yeah, since the 90s. So good. And maybe that's why I even forgot about it, because it's been around since the 90s. But Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that hop's been, I mean, that was like the 1970s hop. Yeah. So it, oh, sure. I mean, it knows like disco. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we do have some listeners in there in our chat from Australia right now, as a matter of fact. Yeah, all right. Um, John D. wants to know, since we're talking about beer specifically, if you have any recipe hints um, about your Hellas. So anything that about like, the Hellas about your Hellas, yeah, they want any kind of hints about it that that might you know make what you think makes a great Hellas. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I'm it's a pretty simple recipe. It's more about technique, and um, it's all Weyermann, uh malt. It's uh, Weyermann Pilsner malt, and then this um, old heritage variety that Weyermann brought back called Barca Barca Pils, hmm. and it, so it's a mix of Barca Pils and the regular Pilsner malt. So Barca is the variety of, of barley, and it's an old heirloom. Um, I think it's German, um, but it just adds this richness and mouthfeel. Um, we use a lot of Best Pale, which is an English malt, in a lot of our ales because 
you can add mouthfeel um, without, you know, adding a cloning sweetness to it. So that's how we use the Barca. Uh, our hops are tradition, um, Hallertau, Middlefrew, and Tetanay. So they're all old, traditional, like land-raised varieties. Um, but I think the cornerstone beyond, you know, good yeast and good sanitation is your water. Oh. You, you really need to have a focus on water to make great lagers and great pale lagers like Pilsner and Hellas. So in, in Windsor, we actually installed a second hot liquor tank. So we have our regular hot liquor tank that we get, you know, 99% of our water from. And then we have this other hot liquor tank that quite honestly sits empty 95% of the time. And it's there, but we can blend water. We can bring, we have an yeah. unit that feeds it. And then we can, we can bring water from our ale, our regular hot liquor tank into it and make blends, or we could do a hundred percent RO water, hmm. getting water chemistry, right. And we're, I mean, as a home brewer, most people wouldn't have water filtration. It's probably better to just go to the store and buy, you know, whatever, how many gallons you need of, simple purified water and then add your, you know, your calcium chloride back and whatnot. What I like, what we do, which is very difficult to do on a, you know, homebrew scale is we blend in some of our, our ale, hot liquor water. And that gives us some of those micro, you know, minerals and salts that, you know, you can get if you were just to take a hundred percent reverse osmosis or distilled water, or purified water, whatever you could get as a home brewer, and then just add in a little bit of calcium, you know, chloride, you're missing those nuances. Right. So, so water to me becomes the cornerstone of, um, of, of the lager. And we've, we've gone to great lengths to make sure that we have the equipment and the ability to do it. Um, I will say that open top fermentation makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You you get such soft flavors, but as a home brewer, you can do that. Even like as simple as a carboy. Let's say you're a five gallon brewer, you could split your batch over two carboys, mm. and then once the fermentation gets going, if you have a way to temperature control to ferment cold, you could just put cheesecloth over your of your carboy, you know, with a rubber band. And then a couple of days before fermentation's done, you could put a, a, a fermentation lock and you pretty much just open top fermented because you want to have one-to-one ratio in an open top fermenter so that you can dissipate the heat really easily and dissipate all of the uh, off flavors and the, the fermentation creates. So the CO2 scrubs those out. So that's why you have to split even a five-gallon batch to two carboys. Yeah, because even a regular, you know, if you fill a carboy up normally, you're probably a one to two ratio. You're as wide, one, you know, width as but two times tall. Yeah. And the whole idea of open top fermentation typically is is a one to one ratio. Or if you think about going to anchor, you know, there it's even more so because they've got the old cool ship style. Yeah. And then as long as fermentation is happening, you have positive pressure. So you're not worried about contamination. Exactly. Granted, our rooms are all, you know hyper-focused on sanitation with one-way air and HEPA filters and UV light. But at the end of the day, once fermentation starts and you're blowing CO2 off, you're you're protected. Yeah. That's a good idea. The carboy opening is small anyway. So even if you were yeah. concerned about it, but there's tons of CO2 coming out of that. Yeah. And what's and what's what's forgotten is that um like as a as a professional brewer and Teresa would know this, like if you you have your 
fermenter, whatever size it is, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 barrel. When you go in the middle of a fermentation and you disconnect the blow-off arm, it's about five seconds of CO2 that you can feel that there's one or two PSI of pressure in the tank that maybe age isn't reading. And, and also that for every six feet, it's one PSI of pressure. Wow. So if you have an 18-foot tall tank of, of wort beer, that's three PSI right there that you're putting pressure on your yeast. And yeast does not like pressure at all, no matter what yeast. Certainly don't like it more, but that's how you can really clean up your uh, fermentation profile of your beers. And if you know, lagers are just you know, they're built to be clean. And you need to have, you know, every, I mean, a, a lager will show every flaw in your process. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I just wonder if a commercial brewer could replicate that by just filling up, you know, say I have 15 barrel brew house and I have 30 barrel fermenters. Could I fill a 15 or put a 15 barrel batch in a 30 barrel fermenter and then relieve the pressure on the system? supposedly that's what they, I don't know if they still do, but I read years ago, I don't care. It might've been in a Michael Jackson uh, book about Rochefort, the famous uh, Trappist brewery in uh, Belgium, um, that they would underfill their tanks by 50% to mimic an open top fermentation. Hmm. Just exactly what you said. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm super going to try that now. <laughs> well, now you got you got capacity right yeah. now to do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, hey, I'm open top fermenting right now. Yeah, that's you just a, can't see it, that, but I'm doing. Yeah, it. you can't. It's yeah, it's under. <laughs> that's so. I mean, it's super cool. I'd I'd love to try something like that just to see. Yeah, is the difference. Yeah, know? it's exactly what I was yeah. going to say. Capacity uh, conditions are perfect to give it a shot right now. Right. Perfect. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, if ever is the time for it's the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last question. I think I know the answer, but I'll let you guys answer that. Um, does Russian River do any um, shipping of the beer outside of the state? Uh, so direct, uh, direct to consumer. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so prohibition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bro- I'm going to go. I'm going way back. Yeah. First, the earth cooled, yeah, and then the dinosaurs. Yeah. So when. When prohibition was repealed, uh, the federal government gave every state in the United States the right to govern their own laws as it pertains to alcohol. And so that's why every single state in the United States has a unique set of liquor laws. And so this is also why um, we don't have this reciprocity throughout the country. And I, I know it's difficult for, for consumers to, to wrap their heads around, well, how come if I want to buy beer, I live in I want to buy beer from California. Why can't I get it? Well, we legally can't ship just to any state we want to. I think there's only a brewery license. I think there's only seven states that are legally allowed to ship direct to. Hmm. California, interestingly, I believe is not even a reciprocal state. Like there are, I, I don't think that you can actually ship beer directly into California from a lot of states. So, so anyway, there's, this is a giant tangled web, um, a massive just complication of, of legal issues. And you have to go state by state by state to figure it all out. And so we are planning to look into it. I have a meeting with a compliance company tomorrow um, to look into it, which would mean that we would have to hire a compliance company to deal with all this because if you sign on to do this, like say, okay, we're going to go ahead and ship to Nevada 
because it's right next door to us and it's a reciprocal state, allegedly. Um, there's compliance. We have to register in the state. We have to pay fees and then we have to monitor it. And we have to then monthly and annually provide reports back to the state to say how much we shipped, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, so it's really not an easy process. It, it would be like distributing there with a distributor. Sure. Like for instance, we ship beer to Oregon every month. Well, we have to fill out, not every state's like this. Uh, you know, we ship beer to Colorado. There's no monthly statement, but uh, Oregon, there is. When we used to sell beer to Washington, we had to fill out a monthly form that, that I filled out every month. And so direct-to-consumer shipping, um, a lot of times you'll end up having all the same all the compliance. compliance that you need to deal with. So, Even if you um, ship one case to one person one time, right? it's the same compliance. And so it's really... It's so complicated, and it's it's really hard to explain that to to everybody. And I know people are frustrated because they're like, "Well, I just want to order your beer, but yeah, you know, we don't want to sell it to you." Mm-hmm. It's that it's just not it's not that easy. It's it's a it's more than likely illegal, and b it's just complicated. So we're looking into it, but regardless, um, it would still be very expensive because we Vinny and I are committed to quality, and we would only ship beer overnight yeah even if you live on the east coast and say it is a legal state you're going to pay for overnight shipping yeah that's just the way that's the only way we'll allow our beer to get into the consumers in california we can ship anywhere with a shipping company that goes to like 80 percent of the state the next day overnight yeah Mm -hmm shipping so it's a lot different going out of out of california yeah. i'm surprised oh. to hear you say that you're, oh, yeah. we're, so don't give up hope. we're looking at boxes with insulation and ice packs and how we could pull it off wouldn't to, be over the summer it would yeah. be like a fall yeah program. while it's cool <laughs> and mild yeah i'm surprised to hear you're even looking into it at all and then in terms of the cost I the first thought I, that came to my mind is I always underestimate what beer fans are willing to pay to get good beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that's right? Even if people want to pay for it. They're so it's crazy to me. We're always appreciative. You know, shipping overnight out of state is very expensive. It Maybe is, but the, you'll have it, yeah. it won't be everybody, but it'll be enough people that it will surprise you, right? That'll be like, yeah, no problem. An extra $100? Cool. Done. Like yeah. great. people I love good beer. It's probably going to be extra $200, $300 to get to the I know. Yeah. There might be. Yeah. yeah. It's extremely heavy. Group orders. Yeah. yeah. It is you heavy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, oh, hang on. Let's see. Did I have one more here? Nope. That's, that's it for our questions now. As right. always, I lied to you and we went well over an hour. Uh, That's okay. It always does with you. You know I, this already. We expected <laughs> yeah. no less. Yeah. Yeah. You're the like, reason I popped off a few minutes ago is to shut the oven off to stop eating dinner. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> oh, yeah. You guys now know whatever Justin says at an hour, it's fine. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. She's used to that with me though with the brewery time. You okay. Know? Fair. Fair. Time right there. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm so glad that we got to catch up. Um, on a personal note, I'm just happy to see your faces and that you guys are doing well. Um, I, I just, I've been thinking about you a lot since the very beginning. Um, and then on, on a professional note, I just appreciate all your time that you always spend with us to talk about this. I know there's a bunch of brewers everywhere that, that want to hear what you guys are up to. So I just appreciate it very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's yeah. great catching up with you. Teresa, good to see you. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you guys too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you for, the, for uh, hanging out with us. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, let's we'll see in person. Beer in person uh, with both of yeah. you. One day soon, you know that we're going to start like violating these rules soon. And I'll just stand. <laughs> I'll just I'll stand at the other side of the parking lot and have a beer with you yeah. or something. Well, a virtual beer festival. <laughs> yeah, someone sent me that, and I was like, "Are you crazy?" But uh, that sounds weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does. Yeah. It, it does lack some of the uh, mojo. The real beer festival. Yeah, yeah, definitely lacking a lot. <laughs> okay, folks at home, thank you so much for viewing and hanging out with us today. I appreciate your time and attention also. And please do take care of yourselves and be safe. I'll keep doing my best to schedule more of these so we can keep hearing from your favorite brewers. Um, But take care of yourselves and your families out there. Um, And take care of your beer too. It still has to stay in the fridge just because all hell is breaking loose elsewhere. Keep your beer cold, (laughs) right? Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Stay safe.